0: Hello, welcome to the first ever audio edition of In A Word. In A Word is a newsletter that cultivates thoughtfulness one word at a time. Each issue is themed around one word. And I'm JC Verdicchio, the writer and curator of that newsletter, and you know that because you wouldn't be getting this if you weren't already subscribed to the newsletter. So last month when I did the audio postcard um, with the vacation issue, I heard from a lot of you that uh, you prefer listening to reading, that you enjoyed listening as an an alternative to reading, and I get it. Reading a lengthy email can be tough. I understand the drawbacks of email and I love audio. I'm an avid podcast listener myself, so I get it. So I'm going to be experimenting with sharing pieces of each issue in an audio format with a little bit of added commentary that's not in the newsletter proper. So thanks for joining me. Here we go. So in this issue, we are exploring the word, wait. My rheumatologist's office has a sign in the waiting room, no cell phones. I used to go there a lot more often, have a lot more frequent appointments, and I was really devoted to following the rules. I would pick up a New Yorker, or let's be honest, more often, People Magazine, leaving my phone dormant in my purse, But then there was one time I needed to respond to a text, and then after I finished the text, I just wanted to finish reading an article that was on my phone. So, noble uses of the phone, I thought. Besides, it's on silent, and that's probably the spirit of the law, right? Just not to bother other patients. So now, in 2019, the request to not use a phone feels antiquated, honestly. But I still try to put it away before the doctor enters the room. If I kind of like hear them outside and I'm holding it, I drop it like a hot potato into my bag. Not even because of the rules, but it's because of a weird denial I'm in about my phone dependence. And I just have this picture of my mind of this doctor walking into every room and finding patients head down, swiping, scrolling, tapping, and I want to set myself apart. I want to surprise him by looking him in the eye when he walks in to say, "Look, I can sit and do nothing but wait with just the hum of the fluorescent lights and my own thoughts, obviously." This is a strange compulsion. One I have felt for years, but never really put into words until now. And more obviously, I'm trying to prove it to myself more than to the doctor. I want to prove to myself that I'm capable of simply waiting. A paradox of my generation is that we don't have to wait for anything, but we're always waiting for something. We can one-click order pretty much anything, skip grocery lines with order pickup, and get instant feedback on Instagram. It's called Instagram, after all. But existentially, we're holding our breath, waiting for our lives to mean something, waiting for a partner, a calling, a pregnancy to arrive so our real lives can begin. My waiting room compulsion stems from embarrassment at how impatient I am, how badly I itch for distraction, how much I've trained this in myself. If we trained ourselves to wait when the stakes are inconsequential, I wonder if we could more easily step into the flow of life and stop waiting for it to begin. I wonder if the existential dread of life would dissipate some if we didn't live every minute looking for something else outside of what's already here. I can't say for sure, but I'm trying to practice waiting for the small things. Standing in line without responding to a text or opening my email, leaving an item in an online shopping cart for a couple of days instead of one-click ordering that kind of thing. Do you want to try it with me? So this issue is themed around the word wait, and some of those thoughts are what inspired me to dive into this theme. But of course, as always, you can take any word in so many different directions. And so the essay I wrote doesn't really have a lot to do with waiting specifically, but more with some advice that is often given to Expecting parents and new parents from more seasoned parents. It's not exactly advice, it's more of a caution. And that caution is, oh, just wait. So, here's my essay entitled, Just Wait. Oh, just wait. People love telling expecting mothers and young parents to just wait. Occasionally, it's presented as encouragement in an Instagram post to moms of littles from a mom of bigs. One day, they'll wipe their own butts and sleep in and load the dishwasher instead of unloading it onto the floor while you try to load it. Sometimes, it's said smugly by a grizzled mom who's seen the front lines of bodily fluid spills, cross eyed exhaustion, and high decibel screaming. She laughs in the face of your hypothetical ideals. She can't help but smirk sideways at your intentions. Plans that she too once laid. What seems to really get under her skin is the hubris, the illusion of control. Maybe it's rooted in lingering shame over the ways she feels that she, quote, failed, end quote. Maybe it's retroactive repulsion at her former self's naivete. For one reason or another, she's compelled to spew her hard-won, fire-tried perspective onto unsuspecting pregnant ladies. She holds high this poor woman's labor, breastfeeding, sleep-training hopes and sends them plummeting like a watermelon from a second-story, maybe tenth-story window. She is desperate to disabuse this woman, or maybe her former self, of her dreamy ideals. Enjoy your fashion-forward overalls while you can. You'll be wearing milk-stained sweatpants with a busted waistband for the next decade. Even the dear moms of little ones genre often drips with condescension. They're hitting a more harmonious note, but I can hear that minor key in the background. They still know better than you. They know that these days of endless runny noses and rejected vegetables are to be cherished because it will all be over soon, too soon. Their wistfulness is withering to those of us in the trenches because the desire to see for ourselves is as deeply held as their desire to show us a better way we want to believe that we will not have to surrender the whole of ourselves on the altar of motherhood. We want to believe that it's not an altar at all, consuming our sacrifices with ravenous hunger, but just another role we can add to our textured view of ourselves. We are holding out hope that it won't be the slog we see so often portrayed in media, social and otherwise. Just two years in, My parenting philosophy bears many teeth marks of reality. Resolve and limits have been tested. The rubber has met the road and my daughter's mouth when breastfeeding didn't work for us. You have never met someone more determined than I was to give birth without pain relief. I wasn't going to wait and see how labor went. I was committed. But... Alas, my labor ended, abruptly, with a cesarean. I was equally hellbent on breastfeeding. Like many women, I assumed something so natural would come, well, naturally. Unlike labor, which ended after 18 hours, my steel will be damned, I dragged the battle to breastfeed over six grueling months of misery. Eventually, I had no choice but to follow my body's surrender when I stop producing milk altogether. So am I one of those opinion spewing moms now here to tell you that breastfeeding isn't really that important and that healthy mom, healthy baby is the only delivery outcome that matters? I'll never forget a conversation with our pediatrician when I was at my wits end with breastfeeding struggles. Is it important to you? She asked. When I said yes, she said, then we keep trying. In that moment, she gave me both the freedom to stop, if I wanted, and the encouragement to keep going. She gave me the agency to choose without waving off my desire. Desire and determination may be good, or they may be misplaced, but they are nearly impossible to talk a person out of with such flimsy stuff as reason. I'd have ripped the butt paper off the table in rage if she dared to tell me about the advances in formula nutrition in that moment. For me, it wasn't about the inherent value of my birth plan or breastfeeding, but how they were totems of stubbornly held beliefs I needed to shed. Like that I can bend reality by sheer force of will and white knuckling. That to stop short of doing everything I can would be failure that the birth and nourishing of a baby, animal, and miracle at once can be so crudely drawn in terms of success or failure. Perhaps the advice-giving mothers aren't filled with bitter regret for their failures. Perhaps they regret categorizing their mothering choices into columns, success versus failure, good versus bad, in the first place. Perhaps their wills have been broken, And what they found on the other side wasn't the heartache of defeat, but the freedom of accepting their own humanity. That's what happened to me, anyway. A world of liberating nuance opened up for me as a mother and as a person. I've tended toward black and white, moralistic thinking my whole life, and these initiating motherhood experiences finally shook some of that loose. I'm like the blind person Jesus healed by rubbing clay in his eyes. My crystallized vision needed buddying, so I could better see grace. What I deemed precious gems had to be pried from my hands for me to see that they were actually fool's gold. So expecting moms and new moms, I don't know if it will be like this for you, but if you're afraid of losing yourself like I was, maybe you will. Maybe you'll lose parts of yourself you didn't even know were weighing you down. Maybe one day you'll meet your tired eyes in the mirror, and by magical paradox, you'll see all you've gained through what you've lost. Oh, and if you're even a little inclined to, definitely wear the maternity overalls. Okay, so that was the essay. Let's check in how is this going? Are we feeling good? I'm feeling good. Uh, meet me back in your inbox for the collection. There's some really good stuff in there. Um, a man finds comfort in coincidence as his marriage dissolves in the essay in the waiting room of estranged spouses. There's a 360 video of the Hamilton cast performing wait for it. There's a story about loyal dogs, some who wait for their owners to return years after their deaths. There's just so much good stuff to read, watch, listen to, or bookmark for later. So that's all waiting for you in your inbox. Now I will close us with a benediction. In the waiting rooms of life, may agitation give way to settled calm. May we learn to hold our breath without feeling like we're underwater. May we settle into the in-between, waiting with hope rather than dread, hope that extends like a daisy chain, one moment at a time. When we find ourselves waiting for the other shoe to drop, may we feel the ground beneath us. Both shoes are present and accounted for, rooting us here, now. Okay. That brings us to the end. As always, I would love to know what the word wait in this issue calls to mind for you. You can reply to me directly from the email in your inbox, or you can find me on Instagram. I'm at JC Verdiccio. That's hard to spell, but it's linked in the newsletter uh, and send me a message there. Thank you for listening and have a great wait.